Hey, thanks for joining us on the Southwest Florida Business Podcast. I'm Chris, and today we're joined by Emily Konopasik, and this one gets going from the jump. If you want to hear some great stories about what real estate's actually like, check this out and check out her podcast, Real Estate Reality. And also we dive into the business and the investing side of this. She's got a few Airbnbs, she's investing in a lot of properties, and she has some very interesting ways that she does this, and she shares them on this episode. So if that's something you're interested in, stay tuned and enjoy. That's why I like the name of your podcast, Real Estate Reality, yeah. because you're talking about the real stuff it's that actually happens. It's not the HGTV. No. It is what really, really, and some of them are funny stories, but some of them are like kind of scary too. Like what we have both been in, like, I don't know if Jess and I have done an episode yet where we've talked about like the situations we've physically been put into, like when I was almost trapped into a closet, when I was shoved into a pantry, when she, I'm, she carries openly on all of her showings. And a lot of times when she's in the estate, she has to bring someone with her because there's no trusting what you're going to meet up with. Yeah. I are you good one, if we just roll into this right yeah. now? All right, let's do it. I want to hear about this. Okay. Um, yeah, so real estate sounds all super fun and giggly and and you get to show pretty homes and everything else, but there is like a scary side of it of like you never know who you're going to walk in with. You never know. Yeah. You know, There's there were a couple real estate murders. I'm putting them in quotes. I guess it's not really in quotes, but- <laughs> They um, were murders. <laughs> but no, because realtors are the only profession where you can call up a random person and say, hey, can you go meet me at a vacant house in 30 minutes? And they will drop everything to go meet you. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them don't really protect themselves. So yeah, we haven't, on one of, on my podcast, we haven't, uh, I don't know if we've talked about it yet, um, but like I- I was on a busy road at an open house when I had a guy try to shove me into a closet, like trying to like, it was super scary. You know, I now realize when I'm showing a property, I can never walk into a room where they're behind me. Like I show things in a certain way where I put them into the room before I walk in. And wow. yeah, you have no idea what you're, what you're stepping into and what you're going to meet. Um, so and how did, how did this how did this go down? This was an open house. I walked in. Guy guy comes into the house, immediately kind of gave me like creep vibes. Mm -hmm. um, but you never know. Yeah. So I'm showing him the house and he's asking kind of weird questions and he asks to see the master. And so I walk into the master and this was one of those really large new construction homes. So you walk in, the master is one entire wing of the house. And you walk in and there's a hallway to your right that goes into the master bath and then there's a hallway into the left that goes into two closets and then the bedroom mm -hmm. and so i walked down the hallway into the closet and as i walked into the closet i saw him stepping closer and closer and closer to me and that's when i knew i was like oh, fight or flight mode like he's gonna do something <laughs> and i like kind of shoulder checked him out of the closet got out of the closet walked immediately to the front door i was like open house is over you gotta go now get out and he got like a little, you you could tell like he was getting a little flustered, but you, it was the moment that I started bringing protection to showings and to opens. I it don't was blame one you. of those, like as a woman, like, you know, like that was the moment. Like if I didn't react the way that I did and I didn't like immediately think, that could have been a moment that I could have gotten hurt. Yeah. And it's scary. Well, and you're there, you're there alone. The yep. And I mean, by doing this stuff, especially when you're running, you're basically running your own business. Right. And you're, you're not 
necessarily telling other people, hey, I'm going to this place at this time. Right. You might just go well, up because until you then. get the call. Right. Yeah. And that's what's scary. Like we forget that there are bad people out there. We're so used to, especially in the beginning, and that's the biggest thing for new realtors. In the beginning, you are... You're so hungry and you are so poor, so incredibly poor (laughs) that you are just chasing every single check you might possibly be able to get. And you don't think about your own safety. Um, That was one of those turning moments for me where I realized every time I go to meet someone random, my certain friends or my mom or certain people will get a random text from me. I'm going to this address. I'm going to be there from this time to this time. If you don't hear from me by this time, call me. I put my location on. And I tell them who I'm meeting. This is what I know about the person. His name is Adam. His last name starts with an S. And yeah. I think he lives in Lehigh. You know, something along those those lines. Sure. Um, trying to give as much information as possible. Because, you know, a lot of agents want to meet them at their office. They want to get a driver's license. They want all of that. That's that's all fine and dandy for them. Uh, our market, we, we really don't have time for that. So sometimes you have to kind of just trust your gut and say, hey, I think this is a yeah. good person, but you still kind of protect yourself. Yeah, you got to do those precursor pieces. Right. So do you talk to like new realtors about some of this stuff? Don't worry about it. <laughs> do you talk to like, uh, I guess in this case, I say, especially women that are realtors in this space, like do you do you kind of now talk to them about this yeah. and be like, hey, this is something you got to watch out for. Like, do X, Y, Z, let people know where you're at. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I do. Um, I talk to them about it and I used to teach classes where I would bring it up. And I also, it's men and women, you yeah. know, on your first, if if you're meeting someone completely new, you've never met them before, especially if you're doing it out in the estates, you're doing it in an area that you don't have great reception, just bring someone like in this business you have to have friends. Yeah. You have to have fellow realtors that understand the craziness that you're going through um, to vent with, you know, just day to day, but also be that person be like, hey, can you ride along for this? Like, I don't want to go for it by myself. Yeah. And I've, I have a lot of really good contacts that I call. I've got um, one friend that he shows up to a lot of my opens with me and shows up to, if I'm just meeting someone out in the estates and I don't have reception, I'll just call him and be like, hey, can you ride out there with me? Like, I just don't want to go by myself. Yeah. And it's just a safety and numbers thing. You know, you can you can prevent a lot of issues just by having someone there. Someone that might have tried to do something just by seeing a second person there is going to wise up and be like, I'm just not going to try it this time. It's not worth it. Right. Yeah. The risk is too high yeah. for them. But we get some creepers, like creeper, creeper. Yeah. People. Like what? <laughs> I've had, I had one, I had to call, I had to call the cops on a couple months ago. He kept calling me um, at like two, three, four o'clock in the morning. He would call like 15, 20 times a day. Um, asking me to send him pictures of my business card, send him um, headshots of me. And it was really weird. And I Googled his phone number and there was a bunch of other people that had said like, he calls me and like heavy breeze into the phone. It was super creepy. Um, I was telling you earlier, I had one. um, (laughs) He was a mortician. Um, and he was guy. referred by one of my other clients. So I thought, oh, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be normal. Um, he wasn't, um, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he asked if I would take him on a sunset boat ride, um, and help dump ashes, you know, go five miles out into the Gulf where I guess you have to legally go to dump ashes and watch sunset and dump bodies over the, over the side of the boat. Um, 
So that was kind of creepy. Who do, who would do that? If if I had ashes, right? if I look, if I had ashes of somebody of anybody, even if I didn't know the person, I wouldn't call a realtor and be like, <laughs> "Hey, can you come out on a boat with me and go this five miles?" This was after the out. first showing. Like we went, we oh, saw well, one right, well, showing, and then he back. was like, "Hey, I take it back. now that you're we're basically together, best friends, now we're best friends." So, all right, I apologize for my stance that first on showing. That. Had I think you're actually too. you're actually acting weird about I, this. I'm probably acting super weird about it. Like, why didn't I just immediately say, "Yeah, we're working together. You should definitely." Come out on my boat and we can dump dead bodies yeah, off the side like, of it. He's like, I've got these in a coffee can. We'll pour it out. It's going to be a beautiful sunset. It'll, it... He even offered gas. So, you know, I'm clearly <laughs> the one turning wanted, this into something. He wanted to go on your boat? <laughs> yes. He wanted to take the dead bodies on my boat and then offered to chip in for gas. This and isn't was even like, like, let's pop a bottle of wine and watch sunset. And I was like, and dump dead bodies? Like those two, first off, not interested in either, but that's <laughs> definitely a, not together. I got to give him originality points for, that's a real unique Netflix and chill move right there. <gasps> gross, 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 gross. <laughs> I mean, I, I give him originality points. Uh, yeah, that's the only point I'm going to give him. Really so you is. didn't end up working with this person? Um, No, I got fired. Um, Might have been the best job you ever got fired from. Yeah, it, I, I wasn't disappointed when I got <laughs> fired. I, I meant to send a text to a listing agent that said, please, please, please accept this man's offer. I cannot work with him anymore after this. And I sent it to him on accident. So this was the same guy. Yeah. Oh, this is the. Oh, yeah. oh, that's okay. why I wasn't disappointed when I got fired. I see. OK, yeah. so before we started rolling, you were telling me about a client that you got <laughs> fired from and then. That's the text you sent. So it's all yeah. coming full circle. Yeah. Okay. It was yeah, one no, of he he deserved that. Yeah. You you said you were worried about saying that because it came off as, you know, like <laughs> you might be bitchy or something like that. No, you you did the right move. That was I had to protect myself from that one. You, I don't normally fire people, but or get fired either, but that was one that I got fired from and then I fired someone just a couple months ago actually. Not that I fired him, but I refused to work with him. Because I showed up to the listing appointment and he had every single TV in the house blaring. And it was blaring CNN, which was another issue. But that's the problem. But blaring TV. And I'm like, do you want to maybe like turn those down so we can talk? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I got to listen. And I'm like, if you can't give me 20 minutes to do my little listing presentation, I can only imagine how difficult you're going to be like moving forward. Yeah. There's just certain ones like you see the signs. Mm -hmm. that's what's nice about not being new like you were kind of talking about like what it takes to get into the industry unfortunately the first like two years getting in you can't say no to anyone you have to beg borrow and plead for every single client you can get but oh yeah after like i've been in almost eight years okay All once right. you're in for a while then it's like oh, sweet okay there are certain people i'm just gonna say no to yeah. I just don't want to work with you. You're going to be way mm -hmm. too much stress. I'm not going to be able to like give my all to my other clients because I'm going to be so worried about giving my all to you. Yeah. And then part of those kinds of clients too, what I noticed, and I had this in sales, you hear you hear like sales trainers talk about, hey, disqualify people, like, you know, mm -hmm. push to disqualify, things like that. When you're new, you're like, 
shut up. Like I need this. Yeah, like, I need everything. You're so poor. <laughs> but part of those reasons why you start off doing any of those things is because you so desperately need it. You you take all those red flags and you don't pay attention to them. And then they end up being a huge problem. But yep. it is once you get that steady base of people, then you see those red flags. You're like, nope. No, thanks. I'm I'm good. I know it's, it's like you get glasses your third year in real estate where you're like, oh, mm -hmm. red flag. Oh, red flag. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to stay away from that one. Yeah. Like so, you can tell when someone's BSing you. You can tell, you know, I get um, I get agents that will do an open house and, you know, it's their first year and they come to me and they're like, oh, I had so many great prospects. I have this one and this one and this one. I'm like, oh, sweetie, no, maybe only one of those will pan out. And out of that one. That's great. That's why you were there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, your first couple of years, you can't read between the lines. You get those couples that walk in and they plan out where the Thanksgiving room table is going to go and what they're going to do to the master bath and the lighting fixture changes they're going to make in the kitchen. And then they leave and you're like, you're never going to hear from those people ever again. Yep. That's just their Sunday best. They they just love going out on Sunday and imagine themselves in these homes. Look at this. We've got we're going to have a nice glass <laughs> top. It's going to. Oh, my God. Look at that. It's going to be beautiful. What's what's the schools like in this area? Right. Yeah. They just they love the dream. And then they walk out and you're never going to hear from them ever again except for you know four weeks down the line and you're doing an open house in another neighborhood and they're going to do the exact same thing to you <laughs> you know we weren't in the market then but you know we're really considering it now back when the market was um normal and not this market when we used to do open houses every single weekend that's that was a huge amount of my business um because we had listings that actually lasted to the weekend sure um, where we could do open houses sure but it was funny because I would just see like the same people come through all of them. And I would go from a gated community to a house in the estates to a beach condo to, you know, all these different variety of properties. And you'd see the same couples coming in and acting like they were going to buy the place. And I'm like, really? Really? Bob and Sharon, I've seen you at every single condo <laughs> in the last three months. You're not going to buy anything. Well, maybe it's nice because they make other people that might buy right. feel like, oh, all right. Well, other people want. There's this. certain ones of those. I wanted to say, like, can I hire you to be like my official open house hangouter? So when someone nor like qualified walks in, they're like, wow, there's seven people here trying to bid on it. I'll bring you, you guys can I'll bring you sandwiches. I'll bring you little <laughs> snacks and things like that. You just got to really act enthused. All right. right? I need you here for an hour into this property. You're into it. <laughs> Ask us detailed questions. I'll pay you. The amount of people that would sign up for like open house acting gigs in oh, Naples. Yeah. People love looking at houses especially in this area. They love like the parade of homes and everything. They're so cheesy and they get hundreds of people that do them because people just love seeing these pretty houses. Yeah. And well, Naples has plenty of them. I think this is a perfect time. If you're in the Naples area, please reach <laughs> out to Emily if you'd like to, uh, you know, be part of these showings and things like that. 239-595-2634. Give me a call or a text. There, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> so what is this market like? I mean, if you... Awful, I, awful, terrible, I mean, heart-wrenching, so sad. I have, a, I have a lot of questions <laughs> on this, but I wasn't expecting those adjectives. So maybe we can dive into that. But I, so we talked on the phone last week and yep. I'm, I'm saying to myself, I don't know how this can sustain, blah, blah, blah. I don't know all this stuff. But then again, on the flip side, I don't know anything about real estate. So <laughs> I'm not qualified to comment on it, but I got to ask, with all these prices going up insanely, I mean, houses are worth more than They're double doubling than over what last they year. Were in, a, in a year, it yep. doesn't make sense to me. This feels like the bottom has to drop out or something like that. But you, you have a different view on it. 
what is what do you think is going on with this and where does this go? So our biggest thing is inventory. Okay. This is a thing that we have we've never struggled with in the Naples market, in the Florida market. We have a lot of different factors at play that are that are working against us. So normally if I go into MLS and I click all of Naples, all properties, trailers all the way up to beautiful estate homes to $50 million homes on Gordon Drive and everything in between. There's 5,000 or more properties available at any given time. If I hit that same button right now, it's like 800. So it's That's, so you basically have, I don't know, I'll say 15 to 20% of the inventory that, that you we normally used to do. carry. Yeah. Okay. Right now in the entire Southwest Florida market, there's less than 5,000 available properties. And that's everything from Sanibel, Captiva, all the way down to Marco. That's Lehigh all the way to Naples. It's that entire stretch. There's just no inventory. And the problem is people aren't selling their homes because they don't have a place to go, okay. right? They don't, prices are up. That's wonderful. But if you talk to some of these neighbors in a, in a community, like for instance, I just had a listing. They bought, it's a new construction um, it was a production home builder in the area, built this community of 64 homes. My people spent the bought the very last home in the neighborhood for $1 million. I went to them eight months later, let me sell it for $2 million. And they're like, no, you can't get that. They finally said, fine, let's do it. We want to cash out some of our, our equity in this. We'll put it into retirement. Sold it for $2.4 million. A year after they bought this thing. So from $1 million to $2.4 Everyone in the neighborhood that has that same floor plan comes into my open and is calling me and saying, you can get that much for my plan? And these people only paid 800 for theirs. And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. The biggest question, though, at that point is, where, do you where go? am I going to go? Woohoo! I have a million dollars in equity, except now I got to go buy something also at the top of the market. So they're not selling. Mm -hmm. So then more people are coming in and there's less and less inventory and the people that are being offered off market, they're not selling because there's nowhere for them to go. So that's one big thing. People aren't selling that are currently in the market. Okay. So just then, to just to kind of recap that, you have low inventory, like way lower than normal because thing prices are are basically doubling and people want to cash out, but instead of being able to sell and go move to somewhere else, you're basically taking all the money you made and putting it right back into a different place. Right. Or Maybe losing money because you have taxes. Now you, you have yeah, you got to pay capital fees. gains taxes, and now you have to buy something more expensive. Okay. And then we also COVID was this great migration. Oh yeah. You know, for two years, people were told stay in your homes, stay in your homes, don't go out, yeah. don't do anything. And when you take the culture out of these big cities, out of Boston, out of New York, out of Chicago, when you tell people to stay in their homes, don't go to restaurants, don't go to shows, don't go to events, don't go to anything, all of a sudden that 800 square foot apartment gets real small, gets real small really quick. And you realize, wow, why live here when I can live in Florida where we have the best governor ever, Daddy D? Um, <laughs> love him. But very thankful that we've had him yeah, the past two years. Imagine life. Like some of my clients explain what their lives were like when they moved down here. So what some of these people were dealing with was there's no culture. There's no nothing. They're stuck in these in these little apartments and they're allowed to work from wherever. Mm -hmm. So why not work from Florida? So all these people started cashing out and moving down here, which is what 
ate up a bunch of our inventory to start with. Sure. Then people weren't selling because there was nowhere for them to go. And then prices go up because more and more people want to keep coming down here. Most of these huge companies are now allowing work from home. Mm-hmm. Work from home is bigger than it's ever been before. And if you are if you can work from anywhere, that's why you saw these like giant surges in areas like Georgia and Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. Like These little small cities, people are realizing, hey, if I'm going to raise my kids, why do it in this big city? Why not do it in this cute little town? If I'm going to homeschool my kids... Why don't I just go and buy a 4,500 square foot ranch home on two acres instead of this little condo? Exactly. So they started moving everywhere. That ate up a bunch of our inventory. Okay. And now you've got no inventory available, all this pent up demand, and now we add building into it. We don't have enough supplies to build homes. So because of the last crash, a lot of builders in the area pulled out. They weren't building at the same levels that they had been building year after year after year before that. So we were on a 10-year building backlog. Now- You mean since like 2008, that, since that since crash? Since like 2010, 2011. Okay. A lot of builders lost big time. So yeah. they were building in much smaller increments. They weren't buying up these massive communities. They were taking much smaller risks. So now you have this backlog of no building inventory. And now there's no supplies. There's so some of these builders, they're opening up communities with maybe 100 lots or 120 and they could sell them all in one weekend, but they're only selling two or three at a time because they can only get two or three sets of trusses at a time. Yep. Yeah. I remember in my community, uh, we're in one of these kind of like cookie cutter Mm -hmm. communities and they got to a certain point where they were just doing like reservations on lots because I think lumber went up like four times the price. And they were like, what's the point of building this house if we're, as the builder, even at these astronomical prices of the sale, Mm -hmm. we're going to lose money because the materials are so high. So they put like a halt on it for, I don't know, maybe three months or something like that. Mm -hmm. Is is any of that stuff still going on or is that kind of eased off a little bit or where? It's still going on. It's not as bad. Okay. But I was just talking to a builder the other day. He's having a hard time pricing homes because- When he submits his drawings, his architectural drawings in for trusses, the trust company says, okay, we'll do them, um, but we can't get them done for eight months. And then we're not going to give you a price until the trusses are dropped off at your property. And then we will charge you because we don't know what they're going to cost at that point. So imagine this builder is like, okay, I have to outlay money for permitting, engineering, drawings, and trusses. I have no idea what any of that is going to cost. How am I going to charge the customer? You don't know at that point, yeah, maybe you were building for 400 a foot and now you want to charge 800 a foot. But what happens if those trusses are six times what you what you planned on? Yeah. Doubling your per, your per square footage price isn't going to help. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of issues there. So builders are doing very small amounts. You know, these these huge production builders with all of this buying power, they're even experiencing it. So if the big guys in town are experiencing those those issues, our custom builders are experiencing it even worse. And then our smaller builders where our first-time home buyers and retirees and everything else, the the people that are coming down here to buy three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,400-square-foot, little cute cookie-cutter yeah. um, houses, they, they don't have that opportunity right now. There's nothing available. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and they are literally double the price that they should be. I'm everything here- I bought last year is worth double what I paid. Congrats. And it is. Thanks. <laughs> it's... um. And when I was buying them last year, everyone told me, 
you're it's going to crash. It's going to crash. You're buying at the height of the market. I was like, I have listened to people for the last five years tell me that the market was going to crash. And if all of us, every single one of us had not listened to that and had bought over the last five years, we would all be in drastically different financial positions. Yeah. You know, no one could predict what was happening. But even if interest rates go up, that doesn't really affect 80% of our market that is cash. They don't care that interest rates are going up. You know, people are worried, oh, we're going to have another crash. We're going to, you know, we're going to experience what 2008 was all over again. People don't walk away from homes they paid in cash. They so, walk away from homes that they got 120% mortgage on yeah. and they can't afford on an adjustable rate that now changes payments. It's kind of wild to me. They're not walking away from this. Well, and, and that's, that, was, that was one of the big factors that made me think differently about this time is that it's not all on just borrowed money. It's on cash, right. which also blew my mind that we've been in a pandemic for two years and all these people have all this cash just sitting around that they can like- Not to get into conspiracy theories, but the rich got? got richer. Oh, yeah. With that pandemic. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people that knew what to invest in at the right times and were very well invested, almost like they they had a feeling something was happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was and, a huge wealth transfer. I mean, right. it was it was ridiculous. The poor and, got poor and the rich mm -hmm. got richer. And unfortunately, you know, the big guys at the top told everyone, stay home, stay home. Don't do anything. Well, that's very easy when when you have money. It's very yeah. easy to stay home and do nothing and shelter at home when you are not living paycheck to paycheck. But the the people that were living paycheck to paycheck, 45% of our population has now grown to like 60% are in poverty or can't live, you know, more beyond two weeks of a paycheck. And it's because the poor got poorer and the rich got richer. And those rich also realize if it comes up in stocks, it's going to come down. Yeah. So they took all their money out and invested it in housing, almost mm. like someone knew what was coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's... Yeah, the, a lot of the stuff bothers the shit out of me. Yeah. So I think we're probably in the same boat. But on I'm this. seeing what what we're all seeing is now these huge venture capitalist companies are coming in and they're buying up everything they possibly can. Which so is, are you seeing that down here too? Like I know not that as much down here. Okay, but it's coming because they're talking. I hear something like uh, I don't know if it's BlackRock or Vanguard. All these these all of them, they're super all connected. companies that have tons of capital like trying to buy up lots of real estate and mm -hmm. turn a lot of the country really into like renters. Right. I personally believe, and I'm putting this, and I've put this on record over and over and over. I think in the next 10 years, homeownership is going to be drastically different for the under million dollar market. For the for the normal people out there, it's going to be very hard to attain homeownership. And, you know, Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it was explained to me that pursuit of happiness is the um, ownership of land. That is owning something that is your own. That is having stability. When yeah. you own your own property, that is the pursuit of happiness. And I think that's being taken away. And I think these big companies, the production builders are transferring from building giant communities to sell to people into giant communities that they're going to rent to people. And BlackRock and Vanguard and all these big venture capitalists are going in and they're buying up entire cities. And then you have things yeah. like Zillow offers that came in and are buying up all these properties and then go, oh, no, oh, no, we we made a mistake and we overpaid for properties. I'm like, hmm. so to me, that sounds like you're going to now use that to not pay taxes because you're going to take a huge loss and you're going to sell off all those properties at a discount to another capitalist firm. Like, I don't know if those are really going to go back onto the market for normal home buyers to buy. 
I see. At least not all of them. I mean, I think there's a lot at play where homeownership is going to be very difficult. And that's why everyone I meet right now, if they have the ability, buy a rental property. That's the that's the closest thing you're ever going to get to financial freedom. That is the oldest industry outside of prostitution. <laughs> yeah. Is real estate. And okay. so, you know, everyone's looking for financial freedom and everyone's looking for this sure. ability to have stability. And you're going to get it when you have rental properties. Properties go up in the long term and you make money on them on the short term. It is the most it's the easiest way to build your portfolio. It's not risky like stocks. It's tangible. You can touch it. You can feel it. If the market goes down, that's fine. You can still rent it. Yeah. People still rented properties in 2008. Yep. They still rented properties in 2011. Yep. Okay. So I guess on that on that piece, right? Because you've moved into that. And I think after we, after we get off air, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and <laughs> uh, look for a bunch of sources because I'm trying to figure some of this stuff out too. Yep. But- you're moving into the you have a few rental properties, right? Yep, I'm trying to play Monopoly. So you're you're building I don't you call it a mini empire and I like yep. that. So you're trying to build this mini empire mm-hmm. through this stuff. What has that been like in terms of buying these properties, managing them, renting them out, getting them built? I know you're going through a renovation on one of them now. So what <laughs> what what is that process like in terms of I guess we'll start right in the middle of it. What is it like right now? And then I kind of want to get into what it was like to get into that. So, right. It's, it's always stressful. Okay. Um, I mean, owning one property can be stressful because you never know when the AC is going to go out. You never know when, you know, your garbage disposal is going to die. You never know when something is going to happen and it always costs you money. Sure. Um, you just have to remember the light at the end of the tunnel of like, every time it costs you money, you're building equity. You're not putting money into someone else's property. Um, but what I, March of 2020, when COVID hit the fan, Mm -hmm. my phone didn't ring for like six, eight weeks. That's the scariest feeling. I came off of a $45 million a year thinking nothing can touch me. And then they canceled all the sports games. And I remember sitting in a restaurant, they canceled all the sports games. And I had like 12 million all cancel within like a couple hours of each other. German travel bans and just down Chicago they were lighting things on fire someone lost a business and walked from a contract like there were all these things that just kept it just all came on me and I'm like all right well I've got to figure out how to come up with financial stability Mm -hmm. so I looked and I'm like every every one of my clients that bought properties from me in the last couple years is doing well they're all up in equity Every one of my clients that bought investment properties is doing fantastic. All of my high net worth clients all have most of their money invested in real estate. And I kept looking and I'm like, so instead of me making money for other people, I'm going to start taking my own advice and start buying. And so I did. And I bought my neighbor's house and then I bought another house across the street. And then I bought um, another house with a guest house on it. I'm under contract on, I just bought another new house, turning my current house into a rental. And okay. then I'm under contract on two more because I did a 1031 moving some, uh, uh, you know, selling one property and moving it into other properties. And the biggest thing is I've just started watching what my clients are doing. Mm-hmm. My successful clients, you know, I, instead of me just helping them find a property, I'm watching what they're doing. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to replicate all that. Take my own advice. Like people ask me, hey, how much can this rent for? 
And I rattled that off. And now I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, if it can run for that and it costs me that much to carry it, why don't I just buy it? Yeah. And it's a lot easier to get into than people think. The most important thing you have to have is your primary residence. Okay. If you own a property, you have so much power with that property, with the equity that that you've built in that property. If you own a primary residence, you can take a line of credit on that. You can take a home equity line. You can take a cash out refi. You can get money from that property. Okay. You can also buy a property, live in it for, you know, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can have a property. Let's say you don't want to leave that property. You don't have to sell it. Never sell properties. This is me being a terrible realtor right now, but don't sell what you own. Sure. Take either a cash out refi on it where they give you money and you refinance your loan or take a home equity line of credit. It's like a checkbook that you only get charged interest on if you write a, write, um, a check from your account. Go and buy another property and then use that as your down payment on the next property and then have the rental from that pay the home equity line and that new mortgage. Then when you've, you're done with that one, you've built some equity in that one, do it again onto the next one. Okay. Or let's say you're fine with moving. Some people do it this way. Put 5% down on a property, live there for a year or two, turn that one into a rental, go and buy another primary residence, 5% down. And just keep doing that over and over and over. Within 10 years, you can have 10 different properties. Okay. There's so many ways of doing it. But down here, what I found is Airbnbs, they make a ridiculous amount of money. Well, I feel like it's that cleaning fee that gets you. <laughs> what do you mean? Like every time I go to do an Airbnb, there's like a $150 cleaning fee. I charge 200 Do you? Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> um, no, what's cool about seasonal rentals yeah. is you can average. So down January, February, March, when someone comes down here and they want to stay at the local Ramada, that bad boy is three fifty a night. Yeah. And they're going to be lucky if they can even get um, a reservation. And that's for two queen beds in a crappy room, crappy location. What Airbnbs are offering is three bedrooms. Two couples can come in on it. All of a sudden, $600 a night, $700 a night really isn't that bad when it's two couples spending time. You get three bedrooms. You don't have to go out to dinner every single night. You can cook at home because you have a kitchen. Yeah. And these bad boys cash flow so well. So I've, I've got one right now. I've had full occupancy January. I started it at the beginning of the year. My first rental was middle of December. Um, middle of December through now, it's been like 98% occupied. There's been like a couple days between rentals here and there that I haven't had people. And it's averaging like 550 to 650 a night. Nice. It's incredible. That's awesome. And, and I meet the coolest people and they come down here and I ask like, what made you choose this one? Just so I can like think what to get in the future. And they're like, we got a garage. We can keep a couple bikes in there, you know, keep a kayak in there, ride down to the beach. Like it's so much better than staying in a hotel room. They're yeah. out meeting my neighbors yeah, and they're falling over, falling in love with the area. And then I'm picking, I've got a couple right now that's staying in one of them. And after this, we're going to go look at properties because they're like, we love the area so much. And we've realized how easy it is to work from down here. Like my wife's company has no problem with her working here. I'm remote. We're just going to buy a place down here. Nice. You got a a nice little real estate funnel. Yeah. Yeah. I got a nice lead out of it. And it's because people come down here and they're like, wow, this really is paradise. And I could do this. And they look at the prices and they're like, 
you know, compared to what stuff costs up north, this really isn't that bad to buy something down here. A little cute pool home, 700, you know, with interest rates as low as they are. It doesn't work out to being that expensive, especially when you can cash flow it the couple, you know, the couple months that you're not using it. Okay. You know, if they, this one couple I'm talking to right now, it was, it's going to cost them probably like $3,500 a month for what they like. But if they cash and they don't use it in February, they want it for January, March, and April. Well, February is our biggest month down here. Yeah. In February alone, they can get 10 grand for it. That pays for all of season for them. Picks up a couple mortgage payments for them. Yeah. So you, you end up. All right. So you, so really it comes down to some of these things is you got to find something that's going to be value that other people will find valuable in that area. And then you got to look at what your needs are. So we want to be down here in season, but we don't care about this particular month. We got to go do whatever back home. We want this January, March, and April. Let, let us figure out a way that we can make this pay for itself throughout that whole time. And then the rest of the year, probably do a longer term rental or something like that to yeah. kind of offset the costs or Yeah, and it's house hacking. You can make these things pay for themselves. And I know a lot of people that are down here that are buying stuff up in the mountains in Georgia. Yeah. And they're doing the exact same thing. They're realizing, "Hey, I can get a free vacation property out of this." Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's plenty of different loan programs. You can buy it as a second home with only 10% down if you want. You can okay. buy it as a new primary residence and move into it and turn your current place into a rental like and it's amazing what people are looking for in rentals. They, it doesn't have to be, you know, beautiful and new with 12-foot ceilings. They just want a good location. If it's got a pool, that's even better. Yeah. But a good location and, you know, has all the necessities that you need. Three bedrooms, a nice kitchen, and and you're set. You're golden. Yeah. So what has it been like actually managing these properties? You said uh, – Obviously, so, <laughs> some of them are good, but I mean, you said you had some interesting. Yeah, uh, um, I mean, there's there's just as many funny and interesting stories that pop out with Airbnbs as real estate. I had uh, I just had a changeover the other day, and the woman calls me, and she's like, um, "I think the last renters left something," and I was like, "Oh, no problem. You know, I I have a house across the street. If you could just put it in a little bag um, outside the front door, I'll I'll swing by and I'll pick it up." And she goes. Yeah, I don't want to touch it. Like, oh, and what I'm like, is uh-oh. This? <laughs> oh no, what what is it? She's what was like, it? It was a crotchless, see-through, like nighty teddy thing that was in the bedside drawer in the master. <laughs> and she's describing it to me, and I'm like, oh. You know what? Maybe just throw that one away. Maybe, maybe just throw it away if you don't mind. If you if you need, I'll have my cleaners up over there, and maybe she can throw it away if it if it grosses you out. Then I had to call her and be like, make sure to check all the drawers. She's like, I never thought to check the drawers, but um, the weirdest part about it is the <laughs> the I'm trying to figure out like who would have left it because the last renter was a single guy and his brother and sister all getting well. He was married, but it was just him and his brother and sister all getting together. And like doing like a little mini family reunion down here to visit their mom. And I'm like, so hopefully it wasn't it wasn't him. It was the people before. And him. then I'm wondering the people before that. And I'm like, they were pretty old. Like I saw them walking. So I'm like, hey, the villages is up that, in the yeah, middle of that Florida, that's the highest STD rate in the country. Right. Is so... that how they stayed happy? Like, you know, they're probably 70, 75 years old. Maybe that's why they have a successful marriage. It could be. Because of that teddy that was in there. It could be. And uh, that's a lesson for you kids out there. <laughs> Key to a successful marriage. 
But um, and don't leave it in your Airbnb. No, take it with you, please. If it's <laughs> successful, take it with you. Um, yeah. So that was a fun one, and then it's just always like you never know what you're really gonna get. Yeah, I mean, it's you said managing the- issues. I had my first one. It, it was awful. I had just gotten this brand new rental, all up and running, all new furniture, new glassware, new dishes, new towels, new everything, and I put this beautiful brand new pool table in like the kind of like rec room. And uh, I had this couple, well, what I thought was a couple, book it. Um, I've now since learned what zip or area codes not to take rentals from. But um, it was supposed to just be a guy and his girlfriend. And I live in the house across the street. And I'm driving down the street and there's like 12 cars in the driveway. I'm like, oh gosh, no, yep. don't be partying. And they, in like the span of two nights, three days, two nights, they filled four entire, like those waste management garbage cans, the outside garbage cans, um, four entire things of beer bottles. Like they just, they came to party and they went ham. And I walk in after my first, first rental and there are white sandy footprints on the brand new pool table. And Mind you, this house has eight foot ceilings and there is a ceiling fan above the pool table. So I'm like, what kind of twerking contest are you having up there? Like, you're going to cut your head off. I immediately applied for an umbrella policy after that. And I'm like, there, there's going to be some stupid renter that parties on top of that thing and then has a ceiling fan on and like decapitates themselves. And I'm going to get blamed because yeah. someone decided to be stupid. How dare you put this fan above this pool table? I'm trying to dance. It's my vacation. Right. Three stars. Um, so that just... That it's like it hits you in the gut because you're yeah. like, I just bought that. Like, I just bought all this new stuff. Right. I tried to make this nice for you guys. Yeah, I had one where they, t- I don't know what, I don't know if they like dropped something down the garbage disposal or like what happened, but my cleaner goes over and she's like, um, most of the silverware is gone. I'm like, that's weird. Who stole my silverware? It's from Walmart. Like, it's not even nice silverware. And it was almost all of it was down the garbage disposal. That's it was like they you, shoved the the silverware. You do with your silverware? No, you put it in the dishwasher. How, how do you you use the dish? Oh, that's what that's for. Yeah, I I normally use the dishwasher. Um, well, Again, I think I think maybe you're maybe I'm the problem. The weird one maybe here. I have you high have expectations. The, the ashes. You have this. <laughs> I don't. Maybe I, don't I have know. extraordinary high expectations. Yeah, but so they there's some there's some issues that pop up, but overall it's so cool. You know, the, that rental comes in and you see what people are paying and it's like, holy wow, I just paid the entire mortgage payment for the month on a four day rental. Hell yeah. Like, and not every month is like that. Like, sure. I don't want to set this expectation out there that it's like that every month, but, but you got like, season. I mean, right. I've got a couple right now that has been watching me on Facebook and I, I sold them their primary residence um, and they've been watching me and she messaged me. She's like, I want to play Monopoly. Like I want to, I want to build like a little empire like you're doing. And so we start looking and she's like, so how does it all work? I'm like, well, we look at how much it's going to cost you per month. So just for, for numbers, mm-hmm. it's going to cost you $4,000 a month to carry this thing. Then we have to look at what can you make on four good months? Cause realistically, that's what you get down here. You get four really good months and then you get like two medium months and the rest are low months. You get some good holidays, you get some good stuff here and there. Sure. And then you can always pick up like a part term 
uh, like a part-time one, if someone's maybe building a house or something, you know, but you want to bank on making all of your money in four months. Sure. So we looked at a place. I'm like, you know, if I pull up Airbnb, there's other places in this neighborhood that are averaging 700 a night. So let's bring our number down to 500 a night. Right. Just our as worst, an exercise. Yeah. yeah. So if we do 500 a night and we're getting 120 days, that comes out to cover your entire mortgage. So there you go. Like that's the, that's how I do mine. Yeah. And she starts looking at it. And she's like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, and then in the meantime, that property from the time you buy it to maybe two years down the line or 10 years down the line, someone has paid a part of that mortgage off for you. You might have the entire thing paid off. Yeah. Or at least a really good chunk. And if you right. want to do something from there, then you have and a bunch it goes of equity. Up in equity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the big thing right now is what places are going up for in equity. Like everything I bought last year, I am so thankful because I'm like my worst case scenario is if I get myself into a, in a bad, bad position, I just sell one of these things. Yeah. You know, and I it pays for everything else. Yeah. Okay. But there's a lot of power when you have multiple properties. And that's, it's what I keep noticing with my high end investors, my, my high net worth investors, you know, they, they're diversified. They have money in stocks and they have money in this and money in this, but all of them have a solid foundation in real estate. Yeah. And that's where, you know, it's a tangible item. There's something about it. Like when you can touch it, like I don't understand crypto. Yeah. Some of my buddies and you, you know, some of mine, um, (laughs) they are big into crypto these guys are crypto freaks and you know i've got one buddy i think he's he's probably got like a 300 or four hundred thousand dollar crypto portfolio and when he tries to explain it to me it makes zero sense and and then i've got friends that have a bunch of money in stocks they have money in cars they have money in watches and i'm like none of that makes any sense to me a house makes sense i can go over and i can touch a house yeah and you can live in it right yeah you can it can make its own money you know, yeah. and even if you buy stuff as Airbnbs, as long as you make sure your worst case scenario is can you get an annual renter renter for whatever it costs you? Yeah. Can you break even? Right. And I guess even in those cases, if you don't break even, if you can get some money coming in from it, you're still building equity even if it's right. costing you. Exactly. And if you can factor that cost in, then yeah, then it's like then it might be actually worth right. it. All right, this but is yeah, cool. So this, is that's getting my... me, this is getting me thinking differently <laughs> about this stuff because it's always, I guess it's always something that you, I don't know, you see like HGTV and passing and stuff and people flipping houses and doing all this. It's been going on for a long time, but right. it's just one of those things that you see all the time. You're like, I think I could get into it, but I probably can't get into it. And this is a nice like reframing. because it's Well, and I think flipping is actually harder because um, I did that for a couple of years. And, you know, you you put up this huge amount of risk because, you know, you might be able to get a, a a mortgage for a portion of it, but you're still putting up a huge amount of risk. Plus the time it takes Plus and the cost the time of renovation. And the cost of renovation and, and every single day that goes by, you know, if you've got a hard money loan, it's costing you every single day. Yeah. You know, the guy for who's going to install your cabinets doesn't show up that day. That just costs you. And it's very stressful. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of them the whole time. It's incredibly stressful. And then you sell it. And by the time you pay commissions and gains and taxes and you pay the contractors back and you pay the bank back and you pay everyone back, you're sitting there and you're like, wow, I risked a huge amount of money to make what? 30 grand? Yeah. And that's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But 30 grand in the grand scheme of things to take that amount of risk 
plus all it, the effort and work and time yeah, that you put it, into it. It doesn't make any sense. You yeah. look at it and I'm like, okay, for the amount of time that I invested over the last three months doing this renovation, what could I, what else could I have been doing? Mm-hmm. Instead, these Airbnbs, once you furnish them and you get some, you know, some cups and plates, plates in there, they just, they give you money back. It's not this massive stressor on your brain all the time. Like I thought I would need a management company. I've got a great cleaner. I sent her the the calendar once a month and I'm like, Hey, this is when someone's moving out. This is when someone's moving in. She's like, great. I'll be there at 10 AM on that day. And I'll be there 12 on that day. Cool. Does the little change out. Let's me know if I need toilet paper or paper towels. And they're just little self-sustaining little entities by themselves. And in two months they can make what a flip would make after all that stress. Yeah. And you get to keep making the equity. Yeah. And that's my favorite part. That's nice. Well, okay. So I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you about this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the Real Estate Reality Podcast. Yes. And some of these stories that we're talking about now are pretty similar to what you guys talk about on the show. It's just the real nature of it, things that most people probably won't tell you you run into. Yeah. I was listening to one episode, the the burn <laughs> burn your office building down. I was I was laughing on the way into work. But That's my I feel like I say that on a daily basis. If we don't get that listing, I'm burning the house down. If I can't have it, no one's like have office it. space. Like if you don't give me back yeah. my stapler, I'm going to burn the building down. <laughs> so you guys talk about this stuff and I definitely want to recommend people go listen to it because it's Pretty funny, Thanks, and follow guys. it on Instagram because there's some real, real gems there on yeah. the on the page. It's but, me and my friend Jess Morris, and we both we're both you know successful agents. We both do a lot of volume, which means we deal with a lot of people, mm-hmm. and um, and we both have kind of a similar outlook on things of being very raw and real. And it started because she would call me like once a week and be like, "Can you freaking believe what happened?" And I'd be like, girl, I wish I could tell you what happened this week. Let's and talk we would, about it. We would go back and forth. And finally, she's like, we should do a podcast. Yeah. Like, this is like some of the stories that we tell are hilarious. <laughs> and like, I have group chats with other agents and we share these like funny stories of what happened that day. And you start to think like it's only realtors that think that stuff is funny. But I tell other people and they're like, wait, what? That happened to you? So we started this podcast and at first I was a little worried. I was like, I don't know if my clients are going to like that. Like, I don't know if, what they're going to think. And instead I get clients that say all the time to me, they're like, oh man, I listened to last week's episode and it was so funny. I shared it with like my sister who's thinking about coming down here. Like they, they want to work with someone that's like funny and real. And like, they just feel like they know you already. Yeah. And, you know, realtors, all we are is a white SUV and a headshot to a lot of people. You know, we brand like we were ourselves. talking about before yeah. the sideways pose. Yeah, the. The professional foot pose and the the phone to your ear, but you said that you were actually going to switch to that type of picture, the phone to the ear with I'm the not, smiles. And the I laugh. am not. You should do to one that. where you're going to like you jump on like a trampoline <laughs> and you kind of have the phone like out like that. Actually, I, one of my buddies has one, and it's him laying in a pool like on an American flag float with a phone. And I'm like, that is the most Tyler photo I've ever seen before. You're like, either gonna. You're either going to get the client or you're not with that picture. They're My either all in that I or use, out. I, um, and it's gotten, it's done really well for me. It's a picture of me and my dog and I've got a German short hair pointer, which is not a super common dog down here. It's very Midwestern type of dog. It's a bird dog. Um, and I get so many people that will call me 
and they'll be like, oh, your dog is so cute. So finally on all my branding now, I put like my name and then underneath it says, and that's Goose. <laughs> that's, and I've had, that's like my best photo I've had so far. Well, it's great because these are, this is kind of what I try to tell people about this kind of stuff, like podcasting and putting stuff out on social media is like these small things that differentiate you open yeah. up crazy opportunities. It makes you real to people. Yeah. And like I try, you know, in a, in a, quick snapshot on Facebook or a quick snapshot on a social media ad or on a postcard. Try to explain to someone like, when you work with me, I try to take the stress off. I try to make you laugh. I try to make it fun. I try to make it entertaining. Like looking at houses and dealing with a contract and stuff is stressful. It's not fun. Like I try to take everyone's stress off and put it on me and, and make it like a fun, engaging experience that is memorable for in the good ways. Sure. And I feel like when people listen to my podcast and they hear us laughing and giggling and, you know, hearing these crazy things, but like figuring out how to overcome them, they feel like, hey, if I work with that person, I'm probably not going to want to rip my hair out. Like I'm probably yeah. going to enjoy it. Well, and when you listen to you guys too, the the difference with these stories is that when you hear you tell them, you sound like experts because <laughs> you've been in it long enough. Yep. You know what's going on. You kind of go... Well, I walked into this situation and I thought this was going to happen. Guess what happened? Can you guess what happened? They're like, this? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then you find out that somebody said they want to burn down uh, the building for the, what was it, the title company? Uh, that was for a loan. I think they wanted to burn down the uh, the uh, lender's office. Which We've is had reasonable. Some... I think that that's not a bad strategy. I say that way too often that's like my go-to thing i'm like whatever i'm gonna burn it down and i'm not even like a pyro or anything it's just like you get this point of exhaustion of just like it's the only thing i can do just burn it down burn it down but yeah we've had some like pretty crazy stories the actual podcast started because of the cat balls story did you listen to that one no cat balls S- cat balls um so okay. the the whole <laughs> The, the day Jess called me with this story and was like, has this ever happened to you? I was like, nope, can't say it has. Most things that you tell me, I can say that it's happened be- to me before because I've been in it a little bit longer. This one has never happened to me. So the cat ball story. Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. Um, so my girlfriend listed a house out in the estates and had a ring camera on the front of it. And short story short, the or long story short, the um, buyers show up with their agent and they go through the house and they're just dogging the house. Well, there's cameras on the inside and not my listing. I tell my sellers, turn those cameras off. You do not want to hear what people say inside your houses. And it's kind of creepy to listen to them anyway. But, you know, you get certain sellers that they want to listen to everything. So these guys go through these buyers and just absolutely dog the house the entire time. <laughs> And then they step outside onto the front porch and the agent has the audacity to say to the clients, well, I've never even heard of this agent before, which she like, I'm queen of the beach. She is queen of the estates. Like you, you can't drive out to this area without seeing her face on like every billboard. Okay. So all of a sudden she's like a little upset about that. Then these buyers or no, sorry. I think it was the agent. The agent is saying this, then notices the ring camera grabs the ring camera, rips it off of the wall, and then grabs the stray cat that was sitting on the front porch, grabs the camera, and shoves it up the butt 
of the cat and does like a like a windshield wiper back and forth on the cat balls and was like, that's what you get for listening to us. <laughs> and she calls me and she's like, has that ever happened? I was like, yep, can't say it. Can't say it has. Cannot wow. say it has ever happened to me before. But did you record that? Because did she record it? She did. We still have. She has that video. I would like to see. But that at some um, point. yeah, like the the weirdest things happen, like what people do at houses. And it's just so that's why I accompany most of my listings. So people don't take cameras off the walls and shove them up the stray cat's butt. Um, but yeah, some weird stuff happens wow. when you're in real estate. But wow. that was the story that started the podcast. And that's kind so, of the stuff that we talk about. It's like the real side of things. It's um, like I just had one the other day. I got um, I got caught in a scam with some guy trying to sell a lot that wasn't his and like going through and I'm like, these were all the red flags that I should have seen and I didn't see these and da da da. And and I feel like it just makes us real people. Like yeah. we're not just a headshot in a white SUV. Like we are everything actual, is perfect. Right. Everything is not perfect. I've never done a bad deal. <laughs> we've, with all, me. we've all had bad deals. It's not about how things mess up. It's about how you fix them yeah. is my biggest thing with all things customer service. And yeah, we've had some doozies of deals, but it's about like sitting down and being like, okay, how do we fix this? Like, wasn't expecting you to go and buy a car three days before closing, but like, how can we do this? Yep. I had one where my, one of my best ones, the woman quit her job the day before closing. We sent clear to close and I have a boilerplate in my emails when we go under contract. Do not go to rooms to go and open up a credit card. Don't go buy a new car. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. She mentioned afterwards, she's like, never in there to say, don't quit your job. I'm like, guess that was common sense. But yeah, she quit her job and we figured out how to yank the loan, turn it to another lender, go through an appraisal process and get it closed eight days later. Wow. Hardly even missed a beat. Wow. But um. Yeah, like that's the kind of stuff that people should hear. Like yeah. you want a realtor working on your side that like when sh when shit hits the fan, yeah. doesn't go, well, that's over. They go, no, 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 no. Let's fix this. Let's get this figured out. Let's fix this. We can, we'll do something. We'll we'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's the main difference. And it, it really does come down to how do you maneuver through those problems, right? Because none right. of this stuff is going to end up being perfect. No, you're dealing, every you're dealing single with people, deal dealing with different. money, all this stuff. And the market the way it is now, I bet it's pain. It was money. told to me when I first got into the industry, real estate has the physiological effects on our bodies, the release of stress hormones, cortisol into our bodies, the same level as the loss of a loved one or divorce. So when you... Like, no matter how many times you've been through real estate, no matter how easy you think it is, your body has a different physical reaction. Your, when you are buying and selling real estate, your body releases so much stress hormones into your into your body like you just lost a loved one. Yeah. And that's why we have realtors, because we're there to manage that process. Like, I know it's super, super stressful when you get under contract. That's why I'm there to be like, okay, no worries. We're going to take care of inspections. We're going to take care of your escrow. We're going to take care of getting your title work done. We're going to take care of getting your appraisal ordered. I'm going to take care of, I got the perfect lender for you that'll work with your personality, that'll work with your situation. Yeah. You know, I'm there to be kind of like the choreographer of the entire event. Yeah. And because if people go in blind, it's just, it's overwhelming. You know, it's not just finding a house, looking at it and calling up a lawyer and saying, I want to make an offer on that. 
That's not how it works. There's so many different intricacies that go into it. It's a journey. Yeah. You need somebody it's to stressful. bring you through. You're like a Sherpa. You're like a you're like a home buying Sherpa. And on that That's note, <laughs> I don't even have a joke to come back to that on. Yeah, doesn't need one. <laughs> I probably it was probably a stupid joke on my side. Anyway, no, I'm so like just trying matter. to like immediately just got like that flashback or that like um that picture in my head of like a Sherpa with like the like the mm-hmm. uh, walking stick or whatever, mm-hmm. and then like the perfectly posed face of like. Yep. yep. I'm here to help you on your home journey. Yeah, there's not going to be any avalanches or anything <laughs> that happened that can go wrong on this trip. So um, as we're kind of wrapping this up, where what's next for you and uh, where can people find you? So next up, I'll always stay in real estate. I mean, I feel like real estate's addicting. You can't quit once you get into it. Um, so if you're looking to buy or sell, down here in Southwest Florida, and you're looking for a native and someone that is very well versed with buying and selling stuff down here, whether you want a house hack, whether you want a vacation property, whether you want to sell your current property and upgrade, whether you want to build, whatever you want to do, feel free to give me a call, 239-595-2634, or shoot me an email, emilysellsnaples at gmail, um, or text me. That works too. You can find me on Facebook. I'm the only Emily Konopasik on Facebook, so gonna have to keep that last name so i never have to worry about someone you know getting having a duplicate facebook um so i'm on there and then i'll also keep buying stuff i mean the goal at this point i've started my little mini empire and i'm when i do something i'm always like a thousand miles an hour i am no if i decide like this is what i'm gonna do today it is boom so i want 30 by 35 so I got four more years to acquire another 23 more properties or 23 more doors. You got this. Because sometimes you get a duplex and it gets two doors. So yeah, 23 more in four years. Well, three and a half. Based so I don't on, see why I couldn't do that. Based on this conversation, I think you got this. I'm under contract on two more right now. So like just you got to keep it going. They go. become addicting after a while. They're it does so seem, much fun. It seems like it's addicting. And like I love furniture. Like I like buying furniture. So it's so much fun because I like I'll just like mass buy rugs and mass buy couches. And then I'm like, oh, you know what? That one goes with this one. And I have all these extra garages to keep stuff in. <laughs> like my Friday afternoon is going to old time pottery. I love old just walking through and buying like all the decorations and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep at it. Yeah. Well. Emily, thank you for coming and doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, this is awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. And Um, I fully, fully uh, believe having a podcast is an awesome business venture. That's kind of like what brought us together. Exactly. And um, I think it's so cool like when people get to see like the real side of you and you're not just a business card. Yep. That's the the goal. Awesome. Show show it off that way. And uh, yeah, there's there's more to people than... uh, than just that. Right. Than just the headshot. Exactly. Yep. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on today. Thanks for coming. Thanks.